Hey there, language lovers, Shannon Kennedy here, co-host of the Language Hacking Podcast, along with Benny Lewis, to introduce you to this episode of the podcast. We're chatting with Dustin Luke and Ruben Battery of the popular YouTube channel, Los Gringos, and pronunciation coaches at Speaking Hacks. We chat about pronunciation hacks for Spanish learners, tips for rolling your R's, having an authentic accent beyond pronunciation, body language and other local insider tips for learning languages, and teaching your non-native language. If you enjoy this episode and or the Language Hacking Podcast in general, we appreciate your reviews. You can leave them at languagehacking.com slash review. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in the show notes for this episode. Now, let's get on to our interview with Dustin and Ruben. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 51. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Today, we are chatting with Dustin Luke and Ruben Attery, pronunciation coaches at Speaking Hacks. Now, vlogging and teaching your non-native language isn't so common, so let's go back to the beginning and start there. So let us know, Dustin and Ruben, how you each got into languages and starting your pronunciation business. All right. Yeah, I'll start first. How's it going? Thanks for having us. It's un placer. Um, Real quick, I just kind of got like a lot of exposure at, at a younger age at my elementary school. It, there was a, a, a huge influx of Hispanics moving to the United States, the public school that I was attending, and they decided to teach us Spanish 30 minutes a week, basic stuff. Uh, and that was my first exposure. Um, and I did that through elementary school, a little bit in uh, middle school. And then my family moved further away uh, outside of the city to a little bit more country rural area where uh, this was not happening. And so by the time I got to high school and it was time to choose a language, I realized that, oh, wow, I kind of have an advantage uh, amongst my peers. They they weren't taught Spanish when they were in elementary school. And that gave me a lot of confidence. And I just loved this idea of being able to speak another language. I always just found myself fascinated with communication to other people and other cultures. Uh, And so fast forward to college, uh, I met a friend of mine who ended up becoming a mentor who also spoke natively uh, Spanish. And he was like, wow, you know, you've got one of the hardest parts covered, which is the ganas, the desire to learn the language. Most people shy away, but you're throwing yourself out there. And he's like, if you're, if you're truly uh, interested and serious about this, I can sit down with you and give you some uh, one-on-one tutoring. So we did that for about eight weeks, twice a week, uh, about 16 different sessions. And that was pretty much all I needed to kind of just then have my own strong base of the language and expand out. I studied abroad in Spain and and in Spain fell, fell in love with being outside of the United States, speaking another language. And then I met a bunch of Argentines and then that opened up my whole world of exposure to Argentina, later moved to Argentina and um, over the years, spent about eight and a half years living in Argentina. And um, along the way, uh, Ruben and I connected, but I'll kind of let Ruben tell his story and then we'll kind of figure out where we connected along the way. Yeah, it's fun stories all around. Um, my, hey guys, uh, my background is uh, in more of the linguistics and you know, studying the, the, f- the format, but it didn't start that way. I, I kind of got into this 
maybe by accident, maybe not. I just loved I used to love voice actors growing up and I the Jim Carrey's and the Robin Williams and the you know um Adam Sandler's of the world are kind of how I was um raised and I feel like the silly voices kind of found this connection with language um you know kind of by accident because I you know stumbled into language programs like you would in, in uh, American schools later than Dustin here in high school um my dad was born in Morocco, grew up in Israel. So I had like languages around, but I never spoke Hebrew growing up. I never spoke uh, any uh, second language. And it was just um, when I got to college and chose Spanish and chose the linguistics field because I found that the puzzle of all of it was really fun. And it wasn't until choosing Argentina specifically that I was like, oh, this is a unique variety of Spanish. And if I am able to imitate voices, in, in a way, I could um, I could really pick up on what they were doing. I could pinpoint what, what sounded different. And that just fueled the language passion. You know, once you sound the part, people started to, you know, just like Dustin, uh, just to, to not only guess, assume where I was from, Argentina, even if I were in a different country. And it started to become uh, one of those things that you, you never realized, but the, the, the sounds give off this first impression. And now I'm just not trying to uh, combine those two, the passion for the language and linguistics and the, um, and the voices that, uh, that give off that impression. Yeah. So it's funny how Ruben and I met. Um, we met back in 2013 um, in Buenos Aires. Uh, I had previously started a YouTube channel and seen some wild success couple of viral videos of being this shanky, this gringo, this estadounidense, this uh, American or person from the United States who fell in love with Argentina and learned to imitate the accent uh, via my videos. I did a bunch of imitations and people love them. And um, I was back in Argentina for a quick visit after having had some, seen some success on YouTube. And I decided to start a uh, reaction show YouTube channel where I would find these other gringos uh, who spoke the language and understood the language. And I would show them popular viral videos um, that were only viral in the Spanish speaking world. You know, it, I, I found it fascinating that you could have these videos that were 50, 60 million view videos, but someone who spoke only English would never have come across these videos. So here we had the, for the first time, the opportunity to get these gringos to react to them, comment about them. And we had to cast people for the show in Buenos Aires um, and Ruben came in for the casting and just kind of impressed me, blew me away. Um, I mean, I, I think like I even asked him, I was like, but you're two papas, like your, your parents, I'm from Argentina, like, onda? and he's like, no, no, no. And it was just like immediate hermanos. Uh, we shared a lot in common and we definitely fed off of each other when it came to imitating Argentines. He was like one of those other shankies, gringos that I was like, uh, fascinated by his ability to imitate the Argentine accent. And so we stayed in touch, you know, we did a couple episodes, um, that show didn't continue, but we did one season. It's pretty funny. It's called, uh, um, no Shankies. It's on YouTube. They're all still there today. Um, but we continued to stay in touch and met each other, met up with each other over the years. And I, you know, as time went on, Ruben was starting his uh, pronunciation businesses and, and expanding. And, you know, I was like, I want to get back into language and we, decided to kind of partner up and come together as Ruben being the 
the the language scientist, the one who could really break it down when it came to pronunciation specifically, just because most people these days are finding classes or programs or courses that are around just learning the language, but he was specific to pronunciation. And that's what I loved. And that's how we connected. And so me being a, a you know, quote unquote, public figure on YouTube for a gringo had achieved a near perfect accent in Argentine Spanish specifically um, could, you know, promote this program that I have partnered up with Ruben, you know, this, this, this uh, language scientist, someone who has been studying it for years. And together we created English speaking hacks and Spanish speaking hacks. Um, so weekly we, we teach pronunciation and it's been a fun ride so far. So I would love to hear what some of these pr- uh, pronunciation hacks are from both of you, because this is uh, obviously a huge uh, area of interest that, like you said, there's way too much focus on the content of the language in terms of the grammar, vocabulary and so on. And that's that's important in its own right. But if somebody listening to this has pretty good Spanish and they're ready to go to the next step, then what do they do to begin working on their accent or what are the true challenges and techniques that they need to work through? That's a great question. And uh, one we love, and it's kind of the focus of all that we talk about. And mostly it, uh, starting uh, in short is to figure out the main differences, identifying the differences between your native accent and the target one. And that's not so easy. And it's sometimes if, with a language like Spanish, which seems and is labeled as phonetic, what we sometimes miss are uh, allophones. Can we get into it right now? Uh, the idea that you could have sounds that are... Uh, you know, letters that, that, that could be pronounced with two, three, four or more different sounds, phonemes. And so if you can break it down to somebody in an easier way, we kind of do that for you. We'll say, here are the letters that are the sounds that are identical. You know, M's don't really need to worry about too much N's. There are some sounds that are obviously very different. Trilling your R in Spanish, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big one. But then there are the ones that are just slightly off and you know you're using just a different part of your tongue or uh, unaspirated versus aspirated um, even those terms are sometimes over uh, people's heads so it's some something of a, um, of a technique that we use uh, a system called espangles which is a, just a spelling system we would use the phonetic spelling of english or spanish respectively to to help with the other language and the one trick that we could even share is easily is just using uh, an R, a Spanish R, and um, representing it with an English, American English in this case, T or a D, a flap uh, between vowels. So, um, you know, we often just spell it differently, a word like the, the number three in Spanish. Um, how, how do most Americans or English speakers say uh, the number three? Count with me. No, dos. Trace, right? <laughs> That's pretty much the expectation. And and then when you just give them a word like the English word today, say it naturally, today, 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 put a little S at the end of it, today, this, this. They're just doing something that comes out every day, you know, of their mouth, and they're just reassociating it with uh, a different letter. Uh, that's, the, that's the ticket is to be able to say we have the same alphabet, but they're not exactly uh, being pronounced the same way. I know you kind of already gave a little bit of a hint as to how to pronounce the Spanish R, but I think Benny will agree with me that one of the questions that we most often get 
asked is how to roll your R's. So would you mind giving like a little preview of what your pronunciation teaching style would be like and, and offer some tips for rolling your R's? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that is the, that's the one, right. The, the sound that, you know, most people, I think maybe mis- misunderstand because it is like not clear what's going on in there. And they're trying to like look at your mouth at the same time as uh, they're trying to figure out what's happening. But I think the first thing that it's important to know is that the the, the movement, this trill is involuntary. Like you're not actively moving your tongue that fast. Some people really do try to do a lot of D's in a row or like a, just a, a multiple taps. Uh, much like you could trill your lips. Some people could do that pretty easily. You're not really tensing them. In fact, really relaxing them, but letting them touch each other so that the air can pass through. Um, the second thing that's really important is that air that some people are afraid to like breathe or spit on other people. Just practice by yourself. It, you know, it might when you're cover your mouth if you want, but the, the amount of air passed through the, the, the right place is, is really a big part of it. But it sometimes feels like whistling. You can whistle. Sometimes you, you have to kind of find the right uh, passageway, the right hole to, to, to pass that through. And, and sometimes that's the most fun part about this, uh, pronouncing new sounds. It's just playing around and uh, moving your tongue and, and teeth and jaw and lips in different positions. So if you did rest, you know, your, the tip of your tongue and the blade of your tongue, uh, just underneath your top teeth and the teeth are important here. You're actually trilling the, the tongue in many times, many cases against the teeth. So feeling that your, your tongue against your, your top teeth is, uh, is an easy touch, but then sending air over top, a lot of it. Some people start with a voiceless <laughs> trill and then you kind of, of course, have to move it up and try to voice it. The, the change, uh, that you, to feel, we've had some students who will just try to push more air in our, in our like live lessons and because they're, they're free to do it, we're just kind of messing around. Everyone's doing it at the same time. We've had people who are just like, I can do it. I used to just like, you know, I used to try to do it some other way, but it just came out. So air is big, relaxing the, 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 the articulators, the tongue and the, and the teeth and, um, and really playing with it because it's not the same for everybody. You can easily move your mouth in a way, move your jaw that would allow for the air to pass through differently. And you'll, you'll be surprised how initially it might come out sloppily, you know, and then you'll, you'll, you'll tweak it and it, and it becomes a more linked, smooth sound. That wasn't short, but hopefully that helps. Yeah. And if I may add to that, actually, uh, yeah, it was just the other day that we had kind of like a breakthrough in one of our live classes because we, you know, we have group live group training and we'll do private coaching, but this was in a live class that we were doing via Zoom and McKenna, she was just like, oh, you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, maybe it's when I'm, I can only achieve it when I'm in my car singing to like Bad Bunny or some like, you know, whatever, whatever uh, Hispanic Latino music it may be. And we were like, let's break that down. Let's get into it, you know? And uh, we kind of, you know, came to the conclusion that one, which is what I always say, which is like, you know, get into the character, be the Spanish speaker, which is one thing, right? Mindset, et cetera. But then we broke it down, like what was really happening. And we were just like, yeah, it might be that, you know, when you're singing, when you're there by yourself, you're really just pushing a lot of air. And there you're starting to notice that you're getting that that trill uh, a lot easier. Um, and then so, you know, we kind of got her to think about it a little bit more. And then there 
live in class. She did it. It was really, really cool. We actually have like the video of her with this breakthrough on our website, which is awesome. I like to share that with everybody. So you've just both addressed the pronunciation side of things, which is obviously a huge aspect of an accent, but there's quite a lot more to it to that. There's the rhythm, musicality, there's the uh, specifics of the dialect, of course, because uh, you've both been mistaken for uh, native Argentines, like who grew up there. So like what other things do you think people tend to um, not realize are important aspects of having a more authentic accent beyond just pronunciation? Yeah, well, we, we often break down initially into two different categories. The accent, which is mostly the sound, the prosody, rhythm, linking, and intonation. And the other side, which is the, the dialect or the word choice. And that we even break down further into prescriptive and descriptive use. That's kind of the, uh, I mean, a big ticket for anyone trying to sound more natural is descriptive use of language, descriptive pronunciation. And what that means uh, is basically, right, um, sounding colloquial, maybe uh, how people use the language day to day instead of following set prescribed rules that you learn in more traditional uh, format classes. And of course, both are good to know, but the ones that give off the impression and that whole, whole you must be from here, you you must have lived here uh, vibe is is that idiomatic use uh, using the right prepositions after those uh, you know grammatical combinations is one thing but phrasal verbs in english is another um being able to to show off uh, that in, in the first few moments is also something that we practice so co- uh, common questions that you get asked why do you speak spanish or where are you from what's your story if you can do that with a descriptive use of language choosing your words wisely. Maybe it's a regional thing. Maybe it's neutral, but it still has that natural uh, flavor. Uh, it's really, really important. And uh, Dustin, like um, I know because uh, Ruben tends to come from that more linguistic perspective, like how was your experience before meeting him and in general from living in the country? How did that influence how you grew this very authentic Argentine style to your Spanish? Yeah. Living, I mean, well, as we all know, living in another country is kind of one of the fastest ways to do it. Not necessary, not required, but um, being there, being a fly on the wall, obsessing over it, paying attention to, uh, you know, even the people who aren't even speaking and how they're interacting, the body language, etc. Uh, that was something that I fell in love with. Um, I would just, you know, I remember, I remember. Uh, I, I first got to Argentina and I, I very quickly got into a relationship with a, a Porteña girl from Buenos Aires. And uh, she would invite me over for Milanesas to eat with the family and uh, super, super Italian influenced family where the mom was like, like mandaba. she was just like, and like she was the one who was really running the show at the dinner. And I'm just sitting there just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Just paying attention to everything and seeing the hand gestures. You know, Argentina, I feel like they always take their level of communication to a, to a next level, uh, as well as Italians, you know, use these hand gestures. You know, obviously, uh, language is, is, is what it comes to lenguaje corporal, body language. That's a huge, that's a, that's a huge part of it. And that was something that I would study and pay attention to and learn to, 
you know, be enthusiastic and learn to uh, try to find that one little thing, that one word that I could say that would be so local that if used at the right time would get me all the points, right? Uh, one, of, one of those words, phrases specifically in Argentina is uh, the word quilombo or que quilombo. Are you guys familiar with this word? Have you heard this word before, Benny? No? Okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so you have this word, uh, quilombo, que quilombo. And obviously you guys say it with your Italian uh, intonation. Uh, because I'm, I'm older and I come from the Mario Bros era, uh, you know, watching Mario bro or watching, playing the video games and hearing this to me, Mario. like I, that was what I was channeling. That was my only reference I had to you know, try to achieve this accent. And, and it seemed to work pretty well, but, um, uh, Kikilombo, what does this mean in Argentina? It means like what, que lio, which is, you could also say in Spanish, what a disaster, what a just mess. Kikilombo. And it was one of the perfect ways to, uh, converse with the taxi driver for me, which is, have you all, we all know that you can get into a cab, local cab, taxi driver. You want to talk local talk and really get into conversation. That's, uh, that's a hack in, in itself is like talk to the, the cab driver. And, you know, uh, I've been going to Argentina since 2006 now. And, uh, you know, over time they've been sort of maturely evolving and improving their, their transportation. But back in 2006, it was a quilombo. And that was the word you use. You just say to the cab driver, first word that came out of my mouth or for words would be like, quilombo, no? And he was just like, say, una locura, viste? And then, you know, he would just go into it. And there I was just probably getting lost after like the first five, six words. But, you know, I was getting into it and it was something that would spark him to, to be himself rather come at me at like, Oh, like, you're a, you're a gringo and you might not know what's going on. Rather, he just let the floodgates, you know, flow. And that's kind of a big part of what we teach, Ru and I. It's like, what are these hacks? What are these little words or phrases that you can perfectly throw out at the right moment that will uh, uh, allow for a local uh, native speaker to open up to you and, and, and be excited that, wow, you just nailed that. And, oh, that means that you're, you're open to my culture 100%. And let me teach you more. Oh, you stumbled on that? No, where do pasa nada? Let me, let's, let's get into it, you know? Um, and so Ruben and I are constantly talking about what are those words and phrases and, and moments that can be, you know, studied and, 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 and delivered at the right time that will, that will just, get all the respect and all the, the points, you know, uh, Ruben and I, we uh, recently went to a, a little like asada, a little cookout at a pool. It was actually in LA and it was, they were all the people there were Latinos, Hispanos, uh, mostly from Peru. And um, we walk in and we're like, Oh, like, they were like, Oh, but what, 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 like y'all are, that's what Argentinos. Ah, okay. We're like, no, we're from the United States, you know? And they, they were like, what? It was like the music stopped. Like, this is amazing. But then the music quickly started back again. Cause like, welcome. Bienvenidos. You guys are part of us. There's no, you know, it was like, we, you're, you're, you're totally like you can hang. So, um, <clears throat> the, the power, uh, and the feeling that, 
I, I, I receive and I'm able to kind of roll with after you know, speaking to a native uh, with these certain words or phrases or accents or pronunciation or linking or rhythm or whatever is so rewarding and so nice. And Ruben and I often say, it's just kind of like you're, you're like leveling up. It's like having a, a, a cheat code or what were you saying, Ruben? Like a, like a, a passcode to this new yeah. world. Right. And, uh, we, we think that one thing is learning the language of being able to speak with someone, but perfecting the accent is a whole new world that you get opened up to uh, when it comes to conversation, interactions, invitations, et cetera. You had just brought up a really good point about how learning certain keywords or phrases can help open up native Spanish speakers to using the language more freely with you. And I think that one of the things a lot of learners kind of experience is this fear that they're not going to want to practice Spanish with them, like either not have the patience or not have the the interest in, in slowing down and talking to you as a non-native speaker. So other than learning some like, you know, kind of colloquial phrases, what are some other techniques that you have found to get native speakers to speak in Spanish rather than English with you? I think that there's a simple, the simplest thing that comes to mind is chunking words and, and speaking in short phrases. Instead of trying to come up with this long-winded, perfectly grammatical sentence, it's just, you know, it's, it comes, it goes in hand with, uh, in line with uh, learning idiomatic phrases, but it's just, you can say two or three or four things that mean the same thing. Like, oh, no worries. It's okay. Whatever you like. Uh, I'm, I'm flexible. It's how we talk. We don't have to just say one thing and stop. We have like, it's more natural to say two or three things that mean the same thing. Think about how you end a phone conversation. You're like, okay, uh, see you later. Okay, talk to you. Uh, there's like 14 things you say before you hang up. And to be able to give that off is such an, uh, an indirect way to show someone you kind of know how the language works and how people talk. And it's not so uh, stressful or, or, you know, stilted as you go through the, the words. And um, when it comes to uh, really getting the dialect uh, down. Like one thing is that there's so many resources to learning Spanish out there. It's very, Spanish is not a hard language to find stuff online, to learn its grammar, to even find materials to, to sit the likes of a C2 exam. You can find this online, but like, how can you specifically learn the Argentine accent of Spanish or some other uh, dialect? Like what, how, other than moving to the country, because of course, for the short term, that's just not possible for a lot of people. So what, what else can people do to both get exposure to that dialect, but then also to have some form of uh, a system in place to, to transform their very good Spanish to something that's way more dialect specific? Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Uh, I mean, it's such an important thing to consider as you're going to a language like Spanish because it has so many different regional variations. So I think the first thing is to choose at least one to start with because it can be confusing to have so many resources from different uh, varieties and, and try to pick up on what those nuances are when you haven't really chosen Argentina yet. But um, we have a system we, we call it we, I guess are the five eyes that we kind of uh, flow through, which are I identify, which I mentioned earlier, just identifying what the, that main differences, the main differences are between 
know, neutral Spanish in that specific region, or maybe even your native language in that, uh, that specific regional accent. The second one is indulging. That's, that's the reminder to leave your comfort zone and feel a little bit more like an actor, like you're doing something that, you know, you're not comfortable, you're not supposed to be doing, but it's a foreign accent. Um, the third one is imitating, which we do naturally, but you sometimes forget that you're allowed. You know, we're not trying to make fun and, and the negative side is always a, um, a worry. So, you know, feeling free to see what imitation is and how, where the line is between that, uh, those two things. Um, then we invite, which is where we pull all the resources, all the videos, movies, podcasts, especially trying to hear the language and confirm what we know sounds natural and what we we're hearing stands out. And, and finally, we implement all of that if we can to these uh, conversations, hopefully by practicing a little bit by yourself. But you can use those five eyes to check in and see, like, what am I doing? Am I identifying? Do I know what the differences are between Argentine Spanish and Mexican Spanish? Um, sometimes it's important to, again, pull out the, the letters that have these allophones that are, um, uh, for, for Spanish in particular, there's four letters you guys should uh, keep in mind that change the most throughout the, the Spanish-speaking world. Maybe you guys can guess them along with us here. Um, the R's are actually surprisingly sometimes different, you know, places in Costa Rica, um, Paraguay, they pronounce R's in a unique way. I'll let you guys do some more research to figure that out too. But the gist, um, J's, la J, whether you're really scraping in the back, like in Spain and, and we do in the, in the Southern cone, or if it's more of a soft jota, la jota, um, the, you know, the D's, that's an important one too, but I, I, this doesn't really change as much, but uh, among accents, but it's an important one from English to Spanish. Not part of the big four. We have S's. That's a big one. If you aspirate your S or not, if you drop it, sometimes uh, distinguishes a Caribbean accent or, a, uh, of course, an Argentine accent that is known for aspirate, as aspiration. But it happens more than you think in other places that aren't just Argentina. Um, and, uh, and just going through the, um, the, the, the sounds to see what changes the most. R's, J's, S's. Double L and Y, that's the last one of the four. The double L's and the Y's are usually, of course, going to vary from north to south, not always, but you get this everything from a regular English Y, but usually some kind of soft J to like a actual French Jo, me llamo, to what we know in Argentina and Buenos Aires will say, show me llamo. And that's like, of course, the big one, but those four letters and those five eyes they should give you a good start yeah and um i wanted to ask you dustin you mentioned earlier that you had um taken the in your viral videos of showing other people viral videos and uh, it's an interesting concept and people listening like obviously if you're living in the country you're going to be consuming so much media that it's going it's going to naturally come your way but like if if someone listening really wanted to uh, to start getting exposure to the likes of things like viral videos that they would never see in in English that just happen to pop up in this country, like uh, what what resources can they can they do to get that kind of exposure? And how would you recommend people 
really get this new modern uh, hint into the culture that you're just you're just not going to get any exposure with your English speaking. Yeah, so you think it's like people who want to learn English and how they can find English speak uh, the English uh, viral videos, or people who are learning Spanish and want to find the Spanish speaking viral the the Spanish speaking viral videos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Good question. Good question. Um, I you know because it's changed so much, it's uh, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of different than what it was for me back in the day, because back in the day, it was more of just Facebook and getting into specific groups. And you can do that as well. Um, I am a big advocate of getting, I mean, for the people who still use Facebook, you can find these expat type of groups where you find any expat group in X country. Um, even in, even in the United States, like if you're from Atlanta, Georgia, like I'm from, and you want to learn about Argentine culture, you know, you can find the Argentinos in Atlanta Facebook group. And there you're going to see all the Argentine viral videos, all these things. Uh, and, and from there, uh, if you can work it, which I highly suggest you do, you try to get into the WhatsApp groups, um, and getting in the WhatsApp groups, WhatsApp groups are its own sort of social media world in itself and everyone's passing them along. I mean, I'm a part of a couple borderline about to, to, to leave these groups just because it's like hundred messages a day, but it's true. I find I'll get these viral videos that are sent to these, to these uh, WhatsApp groups and they're really, really funny. And you hear it first uh, t- tapping into Reddit specific subreddits. Um, you'll usually find the top comment, the top post is something that's like immediate. Um, and then even if you're getting on, um, if you're getting onto TikTok or, you know, some of the, the, the real system, but more than TikTok, you can, you can search by, by hashtag, uh, or you can subscribe to specific hashtags on these platforms and you'll get them. They'll pop up. And with TikTok, I've also found using a VPN and just starting a separate account, like my Irish account, I found the, the handle. Ireland disaster, and that—that's—that's. That's, I log into that, and I just uh, only follow the like uh, Espanol or Castellano hashtags, and then that gives me enough things to um, like follow those people, and then the algorithm eventually learns. Okay, this guy clearly just wants to see Spanish content, and so that's that's been helpful for me as well. Yeah. Yeah, the game is changing with uh, these viral videos, and it's very much leaning towards this sort of TikTok, uh, you know, vertical uh, um, format. Um, so much so that Facebook or, or Instagram has incorporated Reels, and it's the same thing. But on Instagram, to Facebook is now doing the same thing. I don't know if they have a specific name for it, but it's there. And I have been posting some of my content there, and they're going wildly viral. Uh, so, um, you know, another big thing that Ruben and I talk about, cause we're just like in the beginning of learning a language in general as well, is like, how do you do it? And how do you, where do you go? Where do you start? You know, and, and one of those immediate things is it, as quickly as you possibly can find yourself a, a language partner. You know, there are people out there, you can exchange, you can exchange with that person, you know, whether it's online, whatever, whatever form, whatever, find the person that is going to you know, agree to basically at any given point in time, respond to any of your language questions that you have and vice versa. Um, and have that person kind of like on the bat phone ready to be able to write them or send them a voice note or whatever it may be. Um, key, key to, to learning and perfecting another language. Um, 
and you know they can keep you tapped into the know. Justin, earlier you had mentioned uh, one of the things that you like to do when you're speaking Spanish is to get into character, which were the words that you used for speaking the language. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what that entails? Yeah, um, this is you know my one of my favorite parts, and this is what it's I, I feel like it's all about. Um, and what I constantly reiterate in our classes and our programs. Um, and it shows as well. And, you know, Ruben, through his teaching, he loves it too. This is what we, we also we share this same sort of passion and love when it comes to imitation and acting and being free to, to, to just go for it, you know, because at, at the beginning, that's what it is. I, I think I, you're imitating, you're acting, you're an actor, you know, you want to try to be this character. And I think most people are afraid or maybe not focusing their energy to, to be that, you know, maybe they're like speaking, the, they're speaking the language or they're saying all the right words, but they're still in their, their, I'm speaking from a gringo perspective, their gringo mindset and gringo body and ways of being right. You know, they're like, uh, you, you quiero tomar alcohol, you know, like, Instead of being like, you know, like get into it, feel your, feel the language and it's going to feel weird at first and you're not going to feel like yourself, uh, but you have to kind of, you know, work in that realm of concentration of being this character for a long enough time to where it then eventually just kind of becomes who you are in that language. Um and we always say, you know, I started out as Dustin and then you had Dati. Uh, and, and, and at first, they're just two, totally two different people. But over time, I was able to, uh, you know, kind of bring them together so that they're almost one. The other thing was that, uh, as I was mentioning, specifically imitating the Rio Platense accent, the one from Buenos Aires in that region of the world. Um, and, and because I had this reference of Mario Luigi and this Italian you know, sound, um, I just, from that reference, just exaggerated that as much as I possibly could to the point where I don't, I don't speak as exaggerated like that. Now I will, and I can, and I might do it for, you know, added effect and to be funny. And, and but at the time when I was doing it in the very beginning, I was just doing it and going like fully entregandome, like turning myself into this Argentine, super, super Italian twang character. And I was being applauded. You know, the, the locals were just like, keep going. This is it. You're doing it. You know, I remember specifically first time visiting Argentina in February 2006, was there for a very short period of time and then decided to go back in December of 2006. And within those, you know, eight months, uh, just fully dove into the language and, and, um, and turned myself into it. And when I came back, my same friends, my same Argentine friends were just beside themselves they're like this is i cannot believe how you're acting and what you're doing and just the tone it's just so i'm confused sometimes and i often forget that you know you are from the united states and, and the improvements that you've made etc i know that's not saying a lot rather it's just saying that you know don't be afraid to put yourself out there and you know and don't be afraid to ask for uh, you know, feedback on how your, how your local native accent might be sounding. Um, I think the more you, you believe in yourself and really, you know, push to put yourself out there and be this one character, eventually it's just some like a mindset thing and you, you can become it. And when people are 
like given this opportunity to potentially, like you said, act in the other language, then for a lot of people, this can feel too much. They can, they can feel like they're mocking that person. Like you said, the Mario and Luigi, that was a very useful hook for you. But for a lot of people, they would think if I try to imitate uh, this Mario character, then they're, they're going to think that I'm making fun of them. And like, I, I understand from your perspective, once you get the momentum, uh, and you really get into it, then it becomes a lot easier. But that, that initial barrier can cause a lot of anxiety for people. So what do you say to people who, who aren't quite there yet and ready to push through? Yeah. Um, I, that's a really, really good question. And, and I've actually having this discussion, making reference to Mario and Luigi, I've had some people who maybe haven't learned the language yet, but are just trying to understand maybe question that a little bit more and be like, what do you mean? Are you prefer what, it, you know, borderline seemed to be, you know, offended or, or whatever it may be. But it was the only reference I had when it came to, you know, speaking the language. And I think where it's all about references and what you have, what resources you have and things that you can make connections to, to, you know, eventually do it. But I think what happened to me and in my personal experience is like people, I would see these, these comments from time to time because the, the most viral video of mine, the claim to fame is, uh, you know, things Argentines say made by an American. And, uh, I think the reason why I didn't get any backlash from it was because, uh, it was, it was more than just this surface sound. It was, it was the actual, you know, the word choice, the dialect and the things that I was actually saying, or like the ways out, the things that I was commenting on and being a part of, you know, you could tell if someone is just imitating and not true to the game, quote unquote, if you will, you know, and, and I always tried to show that and be like, look, I'm, I'm in it to win it. I'm here. I'm part of this culture. I love this so much. And it being as, as enthusiastic as possible and trying to always find the, you know, the, the, the positive side slash, you know, humor of the language, pointing these things out to even the natives where they're like, Oh my gosh, you're right. Like I didn't realize I said that, but now that I look at it, it's so funny and it is so unique. And it, not only that, but now you're making me, you're, you're kind of showing a different light of my own language. And I appreciate that. And so it's been positive over like the whole time, maybe a, one out of, you know, 10,000 might've said, Oh, I don't know if he's making fun of us or not, but you know, you can tell if it, you look, you look further into the content, you can tell like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I love this culture and I'm, I'm a part of it. And so much so that I've spent so much time with Argentina that I feel partly Argentine. I mean, give you put me into a room of Argentines and I'm like, Pásame el fernet, donde está el mate, oh, comer asado, dale, you know? And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I use this quote all the time, but it's the quote of, you know, as soon as you learn another language and truly immerse yourself, you get to live another life. And I've got to experience the world through two, two different lives already. You know, Ruben speaks five languages, five lives. You speak 2,000 languages. And yeah, I know you speak tons of languages and I'm, 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 I'm uh, super impressed and I think it's awesome. Anyone who's ready to learn language and be a part of culture and create unity, um, build these bridges rather than walls is a friend of mine. So uh it's 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 awesome to connect. 
if people don't have uh, the the feeling to just get into it and just feel it and like, you know, will it to happen, that's where we teach them about prosody and intonation. And there's actual things that you can study where to ra- uh, raise the pitch uh, in a certain phrase. It's usually at the end, like commas or periods. So uh, being able to tap into small, actual, you know, finite and, and, and um, learnable snippets about the language also will support that too so you don't feel like you're imitating in the bad way you're actually can you can justify it by saying no no no, they're doing that because it's a question they're doing that because it's actually a statement and i'm just trying to match that i know it's a different melody so we're going through that too and bridging and then combining those two things so my next question for you both is about your teaching and i think when a lot of learners imagine studying a language they imagine studying it with native speakers but you both are non-native speakers of Spanish. So do you feel because you've had the experience of learning Spanish that you have any sort of advantages over native speakers as teachers of Spanish? I think that anybody who teaches anything is learning it again. I think that that's a natural uh, technique to solidify your memory. And so it's really helpful to our confidence in general to be able to share this. And also, but also because we're, we're teaching it, we confirm it that we really do want to teach the right stuff and we aren't, we are not native speakers. So part of the attraction and and the interest, I think to this is that we kind of literally speak your native language because a lot of our our students are native English speakers into Spanish. And so you can, you can then say, you know, we did this, follow us along the way. We actually messed up a lot and we want to teach you from our mistakes, but it's an ongoing challenge to us to match that because we want to do we want to do the level of native speakers because we don't we all will always have that missing but it's uh, it's that drive because also the pronunciation when you sound a certain way people do then expect you to come through with the language because why would you sound that way if you didn't actually know it so i think it's a really helpful reminder to us that we're we're in this and we really want to live this language like lifetime yeah 100 i mean I, I constantly am getting hit up by maybe a native speaker, Argentine, whoever it may be. And they're like, oh, my boyfriend or my girlfriend is trying to learn language. And I'm having a hard time teaching them. But you're the first person that came to mind. And if you did it and you have this path of how you did it, and I listen to you and you sound great, then surely they can learn from you and follow the exact same path and take all the shortcuts, just like Ruben just said. Um, So we are constantly getting... uh, uh, you know, hit up for that reason. Um, and then you're right. It's like, you know, because we do speak the native, their native language, if there's ever a need to jump back to the native language and be like, this is what we're trying to say here. And this is how you can, this is how you can do it, uh, very quickly in a way that has punch and makes sense and get back to the Spanish or get back to the language that is that we're learning. Um, we have that advantage. So. So along those lines, um, I'm curious to hear what kind of things that you guys offer um, in the brand Los Gringos and what kind of um, like services and coaching and training do you do? Yeah, so uh, we, we uh, are currently together teaching two uh, languages, English pronunciation and Spanish pronunciation. One is called EnglishSpeakingHacks.com and the other one is SpanishSpeakingHacks.com. We have two sides of the business. 
uh, in, in the process of three. Uh, it is whether you're doing group training or meeting weekly for an hour. Um, come in. We specifically, you know, focus on pronunciation, like we're saying dialect, covering prosody rhythm, linking. Um, first week we cover vowels. Second week we cover consonants. Third week we do prosody rhythm linking. Fourth week we do a review. Uh, this is a monthly membership service. Uh, and then you have the private coaching side, which, you know, based off of your schedule, we will meet with you uh, individually. Um, Ruben brings the science side, the specifics, the, uh, you know, the, the, the logic behind the whole thing. I'll bring more of like an anecdotal, more, a little bit more casual, a little bit more enthusiastic, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, point of reference, someone who, who, who's been doing this, who's, who's uh, seen some success in, uh, you know, uh, the language, who, who had, had tons of videos that were successful and praised by locals or natives. And you could do a, a combination of both private coaching or group training. Um, and currently we are creating a, what you could call a sort of uh, on-demand course monthly subscription as well, where you can, if you don't have time to make it to our group live training sessions, you can pay to sort of uh, be a, have a membership to an on-demand, think Netflix for pronunciation service um, that we are launching very, very soon as well. Uh, and so those are the three sides of the business, private coaching, group coaching, and, and courses. All right. And one of the questions that we always like to ask each of our guests, given that this is the language hacking podcast, and I'd like to hear from both of you, is what is your definition of language hacking? I think that any anything that could um, that could spark long term retention, anything that's uh, I mean, in, in, in the mnemonic device realm is for sure a language hack. Anything that could teach you in a way, of course, it's uh, connecting something that you don't know to something that you do in, a, in a, maybe a creative way. And uh, because it's a language and it's evolving and that uh, the that you're not just learning tips and one-off words, but you're learning technique and strategy to the whole picture of the language. That's, that's, that's really important to me. Yeah. Um, what he said, and uh, I would say, I would say that language hacking for me is that tip or that hack that is so concise and so specific to a certain situation that is also so easy to learn. You know, I can literally just say to someone, if you go to an Argentine asado and every, everybody's just finished eating all the food, everyone's happy and, hung, uh, and full, be the first person to say, un aplauso para el asador. And everyone will start clapping and cheering and it'll be this beautiful moment that you sparked, not only creating, you know, unity amongst everyone, but also people being like, good job. Like that was awesome, you know? And, and if you could just tell that to one person, they can deliver that, then, you know, that, that's enough, in, uh, that's enough uh, feedback and response and, and points that you can get make you just want to just become addicted to these sort of hacks and do them over and over again until, you know, you, you've learned them all and you're, you're, you are a native speaker or essentially a native speaker. So uh, it's, it's something that creates a, 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 in my experience, a sort of euphoria that 
I am addicted to and I love and I, and I, and I, and I want to always learn whether, whether it's a new language, I have nothing, no clue about what are the hacks? What can I say in these specific moments that are going to you know, allow me to connect? Because at the end of the day, it's all about connecting with people and learning. Excellent. Very well said. So, of course, people can check you guys out at englishspeakinghacks.com or spanishspeakinghacks.com. We will make sure to have those links and any other links to your social media and anything else that people want to um, be able to find you guys in the show notes that will be attached to this episode. So check these guys out and uh, see what you can do with your own Spanish pronunciation or if you're learning English, your own English pronunciation. And otherwise, uh, thank you so much to the two of you for coming on the podcast. And we will wish all of our listeners very happy language learning. Happy language learning. Thanks, Benny. Thank you. Thanks, Benny and Shannon. Thank you so much. All right. So at the end of every episode, Benny and I like to share a takeaway, something that we learned in our chat with the guests. And these takeaways are something that are immediately actionable so that you can try them out in your own learning and see how they work for you. So for me in this episode, my takeaway was about how you should overdo it and then dial it back to get right where you want to be. So when you're having trouble with accent or with sounding more like a native speaker or just using the language in general is to kind of create like a little bit of a character to overshoot. And once you get comfortable overshooting, it becomes easier to dial it back to who you are and what your voice is in that language. So that was my takeaway. Benny, what about you? Yeah, along the same lines, I really like what uh, Dustin was saying about how um, when I asked him if uh, he'd feel like people are, are have this idea of he's making fun of them, that, that's absolutely not the case. It's definitely not been the case for me as I've tried to put myself in that persona, which can feel in a way like you're making fun of them, but you're, you're truly showing your character. And I like what he said that people can tell when you're in it to win it. People can tell that you are all about this culture. And even the fact that he uploaded that viral video where he was putting himself out there and so many people saw that. So many native speakers saw him like really putting himself into his Argentine character. And yet he got next to no negative response to that. And that, that really emphasizes if, if that can be seen like millions of times, that can show you that if that works in that situation, maybe you can put this character on in front of a small group of people. It's really not going to be the end of the world. And I like that, uh, that it, that message was emphasized with him. And on a related note, when you imagine a character, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a character in that language. I know that that I know that this is something that you, Benny, like to do and not necessarily with like an Argentinian character. But when you're speaking the language and practicing and you're still not quite at the level of conversational fluency you'd like to have, you put on a bit of a persona. And one of the examples I've often heard you talk about is your pirate. Oh, Jack Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> imitation. Your Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, it, you got to have fun with this because I, I know and I understand a lot of people listening uh, can find it so intimidating, but it, it really is not something you need to take that seriously all the time. You can be a bit of an actor. I really liked that that was emphasized in the call today, that they, they consider this like a, a role they're playing in a, in a play or something. And you do have to think about it that way sometimes because that can put you 
in such a different perspective compared to it's the end of the world if I make a mistake. Like actors make mistakes. Actors have rehearsals. And that that's a one way that's definitely helped me. Like even if I haven't put Argentine characters, I have thought to myself, you know, um, uh, Ruben was mentioning that like he he grew up with this idea of maybe like imitating people like Robin Williams does or Jim Carrey and putting these voices on. And that's a great thing to take in with you to language learning because that that like bubbly personality, people are gravitated towards that. And their confidence naturally comes off when you do that. Great. And as I mentioned before, as always, you can find all of the resources, tips and links and everything else mentioned in the show notes for this podcast, which are available to you in the description wherever you're listening. And once more, if you enjoy the Language Hacking Podcast, we absolutely love hearing from you and reading your reviews. So you can do that over at languagehacking.com slash review. And until the next time, happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.